Hello and welcome to the You Are Not Too Busy podcast. My name is Noam. I'm your host. I am also a final year medical student, wellness and lifestyle content creator, a podcaster, life enthusiast, and so much more. This podcast is for the ever too busy 20-something-year-old looking to learn a little bit more about health, wellness, and society at large. We are here to break down barriers, have vulnerable conversations, and become a better version of ourselves every single day. Thanks for coming, and let's get into the episode. All right, guys. Hello, hello. So I am so excited for today's episode. Today's conversation was so inspirational, so educational, and I know it will be for you guys as well. But before we get into that, let's jump into our little weekly catch up. Where have I been at? Um, what's on my mind? Probably me rambling for the next five or so minutes, but what else is new? And then we'll get all into today's guest. So first things first, where am I at in life? Um, I'm basically done med school, which is so crazy, so exciting, um, but so crazy. I cannot believe that we're here. I'm finishing up a rotation at the end of next week. And then basically I'm done all my clinical learning, except I have like another two week rotation later this year, kind of randomly. But other than that, it's just going to be residency interviews. It's going to be some online learning and studying for my big um, end of med school boards, which will be happening in May. Um, So not quite done done yet, but done most of the clinical stuff. Um, Residency interviews start in about a week and a half. I got all my interview invites over the past few days. And I am so, so excited with the results of that. So grateful to be interviewing at all these amazing schools. Been pretty busy prepping for that. But Again, all good things, can't complain. It's good, busy, good nerves, um, really, really good things and feeling really hopeful and excited for the future. Um, I'm also moving at the end of the week because I no longer need to be in the city where I med school is because like I mentioned, we don't really have much more clinical learning, just a lot of like online sort of stuff. So I'll be moving out, which is another change, lots of big changes. And honestly, my student apartment in that city was not my favorite. It had many of its kinks and uh, charms, but I will miss it. I mean, it was an era of my life, and I feel like to an extent because of COVID, I didn't get to fully live out that era. I didn't get to fully enjoy that apartment, the city that my med school was, the people in my med school. Um, But, you know, I know that was a universal experience for all of us of losing out because of the pandemic, and that's okay, but I am really excited for for the next big steps. Um, I think I'm going to be living alone next year for residency, which I'm really excited about. Previously, I was living with a roommate, which my roommate is great, nothing against her, but I think living alone is going to be um, really important for myself and my self-growth. And um, I spent a lot of time alone this year anyways, because we'd be on different rotations in different cities sometimes, and I really enjoyed the time and space. So really excited to make a space fully my own um, in whatever city I end up in next year, which is another crazy thing. So if you don't know too much about the medical education route or the medical education system, um, after med school, you get matched to a residency position. And when I say match, it's essentially you rank all the schools that you interviewed at in order of how much you want to go there to um, how, I guess, relatively little you want to go there. You just kind of rank them in order. And they also rank all their candidates in order of how much they want them at the residency program to the least they want at the residency program. And then this crazy computer algorithm, which I will not pretend to understand, matches you to a residency program. 
and essentially that's a binding contract so when i open that envelope whatever school it says that i match to that's where i'm spending the next two years of my life two years in my case because i'm applying to family medicine um so that's pretty crazy that in about less than two months i'll be finding out uh where i'm living with um not too much of a personal input so weird things again good good things keeping the vibes good today all right um something i wanted to speak of in general today is i want to start talking about a little bit the book that i'm reading at the moment it's called midnight library i can't remember if i mentioned it in a past episode already but i'm about halfway through now basically it's about a girl who's um in the middle stages between life and death in this book i won't say how she got there but um essentially she's going through these different books in the midnight library and it's showing her different versions of her life if she'd made different choices um, at different turning points so basically going back to all her regrets and saying well what if i did this instead and then she jumps into that life and sees what her life could have looked like if she made that choice and i won't say any more because i don't want to give any spoilers um, but the book is really good i do really recommend it it's a nice easy read but uh, something that is a recurring theme is that really nothing in life is promised. And we think about that a lot in terms of our mortality, like, yes, life can end tomorrow. But also in terms of the decisions you make, you don't know how the decisions you make are going to affect your life long term or even the lives of people around you. But you just have to follow your gut and also just enjoy the moment because you don't know when things could change, whether that's um, in terms of mortality or just changes otherwise, changes that you wouldn't have expected. And you also don't know how your life could have been different if you had not made some of the critical choices you had. So let's say you made the really um, difficult choice of leaving a toxic relationship. You don't know what life could have been like if you hadn't left that and how much worse it could have been and how grateful you should be about the life that you live now, even though I'm sure like all of us, life isn't perfect and we have our ups and downs. Um, I guess maybe this is a weird way to think about it, but it could definitely be worse, um, at least in a lot of cases. Maybe that doesn't apply to everyone, and I don't want to um, impinge that this perhaps privileged standpoint to you, but that's just something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, but anyways, I really recommend the book. And it's also um, brought up a lot of thoughts and feelings for myself in my own personal life, more so on the mortality perspective. There's been a lot of loss recently, not to people super close to me, but definitely people close to people I'm close to, as well as people I know getting some really difficult news about their health. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea that nothing is promised and we need to live for today, to stop living for the weekend. We need to stop living with regrets and just say yes more to exciting opportunities and also learn to say no more to things that are no longer serving us. I, I feel like I'm being repetitive at this point, but really tomorrow isn't promised. Um, live for today, be grateful for what you have. And that is all I wanted to say. I don't know, I'm rambling at this point. Let's get into today's guest episode, which I think ties really interestingly to this conversation. So today's guest is Paula Soho, which you may have seen on your TikTok for you page where she holds a quite large following to be modest. And she shares all about her journey being diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And for those who don't know, Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder that affects your gastrointestinal tract. Um, but we'll talk a lot more about that in the episode. But basically, I want to have Paula on because one, I think as a future physician, it is so important to always um, be gaining more insight to the patient perspective, because I think letting that guide the way I treat and care for my patients is really everything in terms of ensuring patient centered care, and of course, optimal care. 
Um, but I think also for the larger population, I think recognizing the different challenges and feats that come with living with a chronic illness are really important in terms of increasing awareness of disability and how we can support those around us. Um, and we also talk just about like the theme I mentioned, tomorrow is not promised um, and live for today. However, I will say that simultaneously, despite the feats that Paula has faced, she's also shown so much grace and is honestly such an inspiration. The way that she speaks so positively about her experiences, the way she's found um, solitude and fulfillment in making the most out of her challenges is honestly beautiful and so inspiring. I know you guys will be loving this conversation because I left feeling really empowered and so proud of Paula. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone, welcome Paula Soho to the podcast. Hi, guys. I am so excited to have you here. I reached out to you over Instagram a couple weeks back and was so excited when you answered because I think today's episode is going to be really educational, um, both for myself and for all the listeners. So before we get into it, can you just give us like your quick elevator pitch? Who are you? What do you do? Let's talk about it. Okay, so um, I'm Paula. I am a video production student. Um, I'm 19 years old. Um, I love everything art. Um, and that's what I was doing before I got sick. I got sick about a year ago. I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, um, a severe case, and I ended up hospitalized for a really long time. Um, while I was hospitalized, um, I went through like this really deep, dark depression. And I realized that a lot of the reason why I felt that way was because I felt so alone and I felt like there was no one out there going through the same thing. So I kind of like shifted my mindset one day after getting an ostomy. And I said, like, if I feel so alone, then there's a big chance that there's someone else going through this too. So I decided to pick up my phone, made a couple TikToks and um, now I make TikToks. Like that's literally what I do. I stay home. I recover from my illnesses um, while I make TikToks and talk about my experience with chronic illness um, and just kind of like help motivate others and make people feel like they're not so alone going through this. I literally got chills as you explain that and that kind of like realization moment is so inspiring and I'd love to chat more about that but I guess first let's start from the basics for anyone who hasn't heard of Crohn's disease can you give us a quick rundown I think especially your understanding as a patient is probably so much more accessible and arguably more important for people to understand. Um, okay so Crohn's is a type of IBD inflammatory bowel disease. Um, and it affects everything from your mouth to your rectum. Some cases are mild um, and some cases are severe. Some cases don't require medication and some cases require biologics, which is an immunosuppressant very similar to chemotherapy. Um, it's not curable um, and the symptoms are really can be very severe and debilitating. Um, they can range from abdominal pain, diarrhea, rectal bleeding, um, rectal pain, um, it does have life-threatening complications, um, such as bowel perforations, fistulas, um, abscesses, um, and the list literally goes on and on. Like there are so many different complications that can come with Crohn's. The cause either can be genetic or uh, based on your demographic, but I don't know why I got mine because I don't have it in my genes at all. Like I have no history of IBD. 
Oh yeah. Well, thank you for the quick rundown. I think that's super helpful. I feel like Crohn's is a disease um, that either like no tons about because it like runs in your family or you're like, what is going on? I've never heard of this. And I guess the latter was your experience. Yeah, no, that was my case. Exactly. Cause I remember that the first time that I heard about Crohn's, I was in grade 10 and I was in my classroom and my teacher in front of the class. And she said, guys, there's a student in our class and he has Crohn's and he's in the hospital right now. We're all raising money to like get him an Xbox so that he can get through this hospital admission. But I, I'm not even kidding. Like I thought that Crohn's was just like some diarrhea. And I quickly learned that that's not the case. Like when I got diagnosed, I was like, I feel so badly for that kid now. Cause I know that that's not the case. It's so much worse. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that kind of goes to show how we really don't know things until we kind of experience them. And I guess you probably kind of felt the opposite of that, of people now being like, oh, like you have Crohn's disease, like, okay. And you're like, it's not that simple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like for sure. I always say Crohn's is not just a stomach ache. It is so much more than that. And a lot of people don't get it. No one will really understand unless they go through it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think I want to say that your TikToks and everything that you're doing, I think does go a really long way. I've seen the impact it's had in your comments. And I know even for myself as a medical student, as someone who very well knows what Crohn's is, it is still really informative and educational to kind of see it from a patient perspective. So I think you are working towards that change. Thank you. Yeah. I certainly love raising awareness and also helping people like feel like it's not something that should be hidden you know like some people just don't want to talk about it but I'm I'm comfortable being that girl that talks about her poop online and about you know pooping into a bag I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about and normalized so yes for sure well um I guess I want to hear a bit more about like what was your experience getting diagnosed how did you find out was it like um a quick quick straight shooter answer or was this a long process so I started presenting symptoms in January 2021 um I noticed like one day I went to the bathroom and I was like oh there's blood in my poop and I was like that's alarming so um I called my family doctor immediately and he was like you just have hemorrhoids you know use this cream and I was like okay for sure I did that for about two weeks and then I started getting rectal pain like a lot like really really bad rectal pain to the point where I couldn't even walk and I couldn't even get out of bed and I could barely even eat also because I lost my appetite started losing weight I was sleeping a ton. Every single task in my day became absolutely impossible because of the rectal pain and because of my fatigue. So I kind of was like, something is not right in my body. Um, And I knew that, but my doctor just kept on saying like, you're fine. It's just hemorrhoids. And he said that I was depressed also. So after like weeks of using this hemorrhoid cream, then I was like, you know, I'm going to seek a second opinion, but this was also mid pandemic. So getting a referral for like another doctor was kind of impossible. So I went to a walk-in clinic and I told him the same symptoms and he said, yeah, it's just hemorrhoids. Sent me home with a different cream. And I was like, great. Okay. No more answers. Like still the same thing. Um, and then weeks went by and I just like was really, really not doing well. Like my mom, like could see it in my face. I was super pale, very lethargic. I could barely walk. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to the ER and I went to the ER and I remember that the doctor literally did a rectal exam. He literally put his finger in my butt. And he was like, yeah, you just have hemorrhoids. And I find that super weird to this day because I never had hemorrhoids. Like anyone could see that I did not have hemorrhoids. Um, So he sent me home. He did blood work. And um, just something that I noticed was that my white blood cell count was very elevated. So he didn't tell me anything about that at the time, but that was on a Wednesday of like that week. Um, And so he sent me home 
and I was like still not feeling well. Um, and um, the ER doctor referred me to see a gastroenterologist. So I was hopeful that it would be soon. But when I called to see like what the update was, they said that it would be about six months. And I was like, I don't think I'll make it. So my mom had the brilliant idea of calling them and saying, if there's a cancellation list, like, could you please put my daughter on it? Cause she's in so much pain and she's not doing well. And they said, yeah, for sure. So I think it was the Saturday they called me and they said like, we have an opening for Sunday. Um, she needs to do the colonoscopy prep and then we'll have her in. And I was like, great. Okay. This is awesome. I did the prep and the prep was the most agonizing thing ever because I clearly had something going on in my rectum, something that felt like, I don't know, it was like a full baby was being pushed out. Um, and as I was doing the prep, I was fainting and I was just not doing well. I literally was like telling my mom, like, I feel like I'm dying. I don't feel well. Like this is just complete agony. So, and then I developed a fever and she said, you know, we're calling an ambulance. So we called an ambulance and they picked me up because I was too weak to walk. I couldn't even get into the car on my own. Um, they picked me up, they did blood work. And in this ER trip, my white blood cell count was 25,000. And they looked at me and they said, you still just have hemorrhoids, go home and come back for your colonoscopy tomorrow. And I was like, there has to be something else that's wrong. So the following morning, I don't know how I got there, but I did. And then when I remember that when the nurse took my temperature, she was like, it's 41 degrees. Like, how are you alive? She was like, how long have you had this fever for? And I was like, a couple weeks. She was like, oh my God. Um, so then, um, they took me in, they sedated me. And I remember that before they sedated me, the doctor said, have you lost weight? Are you anemic? Have you lost your appetite? Oh yeah. And I had a rash around my face too. So he was like, and you have a rash on your body, right? Like around your face. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you have Crohn's. He's like, I need to confirm this with the, with the scope, but you definitely have Crohn's. And I was like, I cannot believe that. I didn't even know what Crohn's was. So I got put to sleep. I woke up and he said, yeah, you definitely have Crohn's. You have a really bad infection in your rectum. You have a really bad abscess. We're admitting you now and we're going to put you in for surgery. And I was like, holy crap, this is all happening so fast. Like I'm just waking up from the sedation and my mom was there and she was like, she quickly was dismissed and they said, yeah, we're putting her in, her in for surgery. So I was like, okay. And then the following day, like I was really sick throwing up, like going to the bathroom with a lot of blood. Um, and then the following day they put me in for surgery. And then I remember waking up from that surgery and the doctor was like, you had an abscess of 500 milliliters. And they said, if you don't know how much that is, it's a full Gatorade bottle of pus in your butt. But I felt so much better. I felt like I could literally run a marathon. I texted my family and I was like, I'm ready to go guys. I'm ready to go home. So they picked me up the following day because it supposedly was just like a quick abscess drainage. They picked me up and within 40 minutes of me being home, I was septic again and my fever shot up and the pain was excruciating. I couldn't even get out of bed. So they called an ambulance once again. And this is where things really, really, really went south because my white blood cell count hit, I think it, the highest it was, was 29,000. Um, and a doctor literally went up to me and said, I don't know how you're like sitting here. He's like, I have a patient down the hall who has 14,000 white blood cell count. He's literally dying. He was like, I don't know what's going on with you, but get that sorted out. So I was admitted once again, that was a very long hospital stay for me. That one started in March and I didn't go home until May. And in that time frame, I had about seven surgeries. Yeah. Seven surgeries, a bunch of procedures, um, on the same wound on the same like abscess because they just couldn't get proper drainage. And I had a fistula. And so whenever I would go poop, the bacteria would just go into that, um, abscess and I would just go septic. And it was this whole thing. I was legitimately dying. And the day that I just got so insanely sick, the doctor came in and was like, you're going to die if we don't give you an ostomy bag. 
So we need to give you one now. And I went in for surgery and I woke up the following day and I had so many tubes in my butt for like the abscess. And I had this new bag. Um, and I thought that was the end of the world for me. Cause like, I felt like an alien in my own body with like all these things attached to me. And I just, it was the most painful thing ever to go through. Um, and then after that things started to like, kind of look better, but there was still a lot of complications with the surgeries. I had a lot of care that wasn't really um, thought through. And I, unfortunately I was placed in the hands of doctors that were very arrogant um, and didn't want to admit that like, I might need like higher care. So they really put me through the ringer. Um, and then eventually like me and my mom signed a, like the, when the patient just chooses to leave against medical care and we went to Mount Sinai. Um, and that's where I received the best care ever. And since then I was hospitalized from July until September, had a couple surgeries there. And since then I've been much better. Haven't been in the hospital. The pain is a lot better. And I got put on biologics. I got put on Humira and now I'm okay. So my story was a little bit of a surprise for sure. And it was a huge roller coaster because it wasn't just like a, you have Crohn's, this is how we're going to proceed. It was literally just deciding in the very moment, depending on how things progressed and things did not progress well for the beginning, but now I have like a good team and a good plan and I'm on okay medication. So yeah, things are better than they were then. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. I'm sure it's probably not the easiest thing to kind of go back and recount. Um, that sounds like honestly so difficult and I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And it also just makes me think of, there's probably so many other people who are going through similar things right now. Our medical system is so far from perfect and there's so many gaps. And I think, especially being like a medical student, being in the healthcare system, I think there's kind of a tendency people to kind of look away from the gaps, pretend like they're not there because they're so uncomfortable to face. But I think that's really all we can do is there can't be a magic solution. But thank you for sharing your story, both with me and everyone online, because I think it really does help us kind of see how we can hopefully do better for other people in the future. I think so too, for sure. Um, and I, you mentioned your ostomy bag. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, can you explain that briefly? Sure. Okay. So an ostomy could be either an ileostomy, meaning that your small bowel is the piece of intestine that's brought out through your abdominal wall and then stitched off so that it just kind of like hangs out of your body. Um, and this is where poop will go through. So there's an ileostomy, then there's a colostomy, which is your large intestine. And it, it's the same thing essentially where like your intestine is pulled out and then um, you go poop through there. Or there's a urostomy, which you go pee through. Um, I have an ileostomy. Um, and then like how I collect the poop is I just wear like this bag, um, specially designed to go around stomas. Um, and it's very discreet. A lot of people think that like you can, um, see it and smell it, but that's not the case. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen you talk about on TikTok, because I think even like when I started medical school, I knew what an ostomy bag, um, is unfortunately I have some people in my family who have Crohn's disease. So I'm kind of familiar with the process. But I still had so many questions about it. And I feel like I still do. Um, And I think especially for teenagers and young adults, it sounds like the most foreign thing. And like you mentioned, when you kind of woke up and you had this, I'm sure that was probably a really confusing experience to go through. And I'd love to kind of hear more about how you work to accept that and come to like the amazing place you are today with your body acceptance and all the motivating content you produce about it. Yeah. Okay. So... My doctors had previously told me that this could eventually be the case, that I would need one. Um, And every time that they would tell me, like shivers would go up my spine and I would break into tears because 
the concept of an ostomy, the way that they present it to you is it's a bag of poop that stays on your body. It sounds terrifying. It sounds like it's going to be this thing that everybody will look at, that everybody will be able to smell. So I was scared going into it. And then I was scared when I woke up because I saw it for myself. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly how it feels. I felt very alienated. I felt like a freak. I felt disgusting. I remember saying that to like my mom and to the nurses. I said, I feel so gross. I don't feel clean because they made me wear transparent bags. So that didn't help. I could like literally see the poop on me all the time. Um, And I just felt so gross knowing that I had like this bag of poo just with me 24 seven. Um, and so I struggle with that a lot, um, that contributed to like my depression and a lot of things just kind of tore me down. Like when I was thinking about the bag, I was thinking about all the what ifs, uh, what if my friends won't like me? What if my boyfriend will leave me? Um, what if this and this and this, and it was just like a huge, like spiral all because of the bag. I had like an existential crisis, (laughs) but I don't know like what exactly it was. I think one day I said to my mom, here's this thing that I have, right? Um, I could either hide it from the world, which will be absolutely exhausting. Or I can just be honest and tell everyone like, yeah, this is what I have. And it's honestly, it's going to come up in conversation, whether I like it or not. Like I sit down to eat something and I'm like, I can't eat that. And people are like, why? And I'm like, because I have an ostomy. So I have to explain it at some point. So I figured that like hiding it would just be like, way worse from a mental health. It would just be like an extra step that would be just super hard to deal with. Um, So I said, yeah, no, I'm just going to embrace it. This is the thing that saved my life. That was like the huge click for me. I said, this is the thing that saved my life. And this is the thing that's going to give me my life back. Um, And I stopped looking at it as like a bag of poop. And I started looking at it as like a thing that was on my body that I could do whatever I wanted with. I could make bag covers for it. I could like decorate it, you know? And I also started looking at it as something that made me unique. Sounds cheesy, but I, I even said like, it's my superpower. It's what sets me apart from everyone. And like people poop through their bums and I poop in a bag. Like, how cool is that? I can go on a walk and I can poop. So I started kind of like looking at the positives and that certainly helped, but I would be lying if I said that that happened overnight. It was a process. And everybody says like, how do I accept my bag? And I'm honestly, I'll say like, it takes time. Time is the only answer. And like, you'll feel comfortable in in your skin when you're ready to, you know, you can't just like rush that process. Yeah, no, that, that was really interesting to hear. And I want to chat more about your ostomy bag covers, because I think that that's so cool. What, what made you start deciding to match your bag covers to your outfits? Because it's honestly so cute. Thank you. Um, so I've always been like a fashionista, I like to say, and I was like thinking of how can I spin the narrative and just instead of it being like this thing that like you should conceal, like how do I turn it into something that like you can show off? So then that's when I was like, ostomy bag covers. And I searched it up and they existed, but they were all like very oriented towards the elderly population because a lot of elderly people do use them. So they were all like black and beige and gray and very boring. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to like spice this up and I'm going to learn to sew because I didn't even know how to sew. Um, and I learned to do it. And I started buying outfits. I started buying tops that like matched my bags. And I, I was like, I'm going to make this into my accessory. And that's what I did. And I I also had a friend who would send me ostomy bag covers because she was a seamstress before. And she's the first one that ever sent me ostomy bag covers. Um, And that's when I was like, wait, this is so cute. I could totally turn it into like a fanny pack. And then the ideas kind of started rolling. I even reached out to this girl who does like crocheting. And I was like, girl, we need to come up with an ostomy bag cover that's like crochet. People would go crazy. And I was so right. Because like that one video on my TikTok blew up and people were like, oh my God, is that crocheted? And I was like, yeah, it is. 
and people loved it. So I just, I figured that like, instead of, you know, keeping the bag so plain and like, you know, just hiding it, like I wanted to turn it into something that like grabbed people's attention and sparked people's interest too. Cause that's what it does. So. I love that. I mean, it really goes back to how you said, like it becomes your superpower. I feel like once you stop trying to hide the things that make you different and there really is nothing wrong with having an awesome bag, right. And having food yeah. on the outside of your body, it's really just the stigma that it's so entrenched in. Um, so sure. it's, it's honestly so inspiring to see. And also in like within less than a year that you like had this huge mindset shift, like it's honestly incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know how I did it still, but I'm just going with the flow <laughs> one day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. Exactly. Before we move on from the Ask Me bag, I just want to do like a quick FAQ because I know you chat about a lot of these different questions on your TikTok. And again, as a medical student, I found them so educational because I've been in surgeries where we've given someone a stomach, we give them an ostomy bag, but I don't know too much about what happens after, how they deal with it, what are their struggles with it. And it's been really interesting to see, like, what are the different things that I can tell them about, you know, um, if they're saying, oh, it smells like, what can they do about that? Right. So I guess my first FAQ is does it smell? And if so, like, are there different things you can do to make it smell less? Like, how do you do, how do you deal with that? So obviously like all poop smells, um, and it only smells when you open it. So if you're changing the bag or you're emptying it, it's going to have a smell. And it also depends on what you eat. So there are certain foods that like you can avoid so that it doesn't smell as much. But what I've found that helps my output not smell like anything is these drops that they sell at any medical supply store they're called m9 and they're basically like deodorizing drops the smell basically goes away and it's amazing like that that for me was a huge thing because when when i realized how much it smelled when i opened it and like after that i would use the bathroom i was like very embarrassed that somebody else would walk in and be like oh my god it stinks in here but those drops were life-changing for me and then i also have like a febreze tiny like travel size thing of Febreze in my bag too in case it does smell and I just like spray off the room it's no big deal though like with the M9 drops and the spray I'm pretty sure it doesn't smell like anything afterwards and do you like eat the M9 drops or they go in your in your stoma bag no they go in the stoma bag cool yeah Yeah. very cool okay um my next question um do you still feel the need like the urge to to go to the bathroom to go number two I do. And it's literally the worst thing in the world. So I call them my ghost poops. I usually just like sit on the toilet and like let that sensation pass. Sometimes I even have to like push a little bit and it's just the most uncomfortable feeling ever. It feels like I'm going to pass like a child through my butthole. (laughs) It's not fun. Um, And then that obviously gets worse with inflammation. Like if I'm going through a Crohn's flare, it gets much worse and I will go many times a day. Um, so I get the feeling and then I also pass mucus still because I still have my colon. So, um, my colon produces like this mucus that it needs to naturally like, you know, um, secrete. Um, so that comes out as well. That's like my closest thing to like a bowel movement that I'll have. I mean, I guess like, is it in any way freeing to not need to go to the bathroom all the time? Are you able to like go to the bathroom all the time? Like you're in the middle of like of a movie or like shopping. It is definitely, I mean, in my situation, it was very painful when I would go to the bathroom and now I don't have that. Like my, my poops would be like debilitating. I would be crying and now I'm like, you know, going and I don't even know it. So it's awesome in that way. And then those who have like that I've spoken to that do go like 20 times a day have said that it's the most freeing thing ever, that they're no longer tied to the toilet and they can go on a walk and they don't have to worry about like locating the nearest porta potty, you know? So in that sense, it is, it is very freeing for sure. 
Um, okay. Next question. Um, how do you deal with intimate relationships and like telling like boys or girls, whoever you're seeing about your bag, like, have you done that? How has it gone? So, um, in my experience, it's a little different because I post about it. Um, and actually I've gotten a lot of attention from boys from my TikTok page who are actually very interested in the fact that, you know, like it's cleaner down there. Um, so they're like, the only thing I see here is a pro, like, you know, um, (laughs) I was really worried that like boys would think it's gross, but that's the reaction that I've gotten. I'm saying that like, you know, your downstairs area is very clean. And I'm like, yeah. And then those that like, I've actually wanted to pursue a relationship with, um, I say it usually right off the bat. And I, I just rip the bandaid off because I feel like it will come up in conversation later. And I don't want to like lead anyone on without being completely honest. So I'll just tell them this is something that I have. And I always say it's a life-saving device and it doesn't affect me in any way. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change how I do things. Um, But like, if you have any questions, like feel free. And like that um, open floor really does help because they ask their questions and then we move on. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, again, I want to say the way you just kind of own who you are, what you're going through without any hesitation is really inspiring. And for anyone who's listening, who might be going through Crohn's and other chronic illness or know someone who's going through a chronic illness or some sort of big life change, like what piece of advice would you, would you leave them with to kind of continue to shift their mindset towards where you're at now? That's a tough one. Um, I think I would just tell them to be kind to themselves um, and that it's not a linear process and that every day is going to be different. Unfortunately, you're going to have your limitations and some days you'll be doing a million things and other days you won't be able to move from your bed. Um, It's an awkward conversation to have with people, but it's something that's a part of who you are and um, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that this is like something that you have to live with um and just yeah in general just take things day by day sometimes minute by minute literally um and learn to listen to your body too because that's a huge part uh, I think from personal experience I want to do a lot of the things that I used to be able to do and I can't but I just have to step back and be like I can't do this today but I might be able to do it tomorrow so let's try again tomorrow and then for those that are supporting people with a chronic illness also be kind to yourself because it's, it's a lot to support someone with a chronic illness. Um, and it takes a huge mental toll on you too. So just know that you're doing your best. I love that. Um, next question is you're saying that there's kind of days that are good and then bad, which makes total sense. And it's not going to be straightforward. Um, but if you have any advice for in general, like low mental health days. So for those days that are, kind of like low and you can't do much um I would say to once again just be patient with yourself um and the process of grief is something that you're gonna have to deal with whether you like it or not and that's not an easy one to have it's very painful um but I feel like ignoring it and trying to push like past it just is not healthy So if you're going to have days where you just lie in bed and cry all day, then I fully support and encourage that because that's unfortunately what you're going to have to do to get through that process of grief. Um, And you're also going to have these feelings of wishing that you still were the same person that you were before you were sick. And those are natural to have. Um, But what I would say to that is to compare yourself to who you were 
at the moment that you got diagnosed and who you are today because you'll see a huge difference there even I see that now like when I have those moments where I just feel really stuck and I feel like I'm not the same person that I was before I compare myself to the person that was in a hospital bed six months ago and what I'm doing today and it's a huge difference and that way I feel like I'm moving forward and I don't feel so stuck so just give yourself credit where it's due and understand that like maybe now are just as important they're just adjusted to your limitations so sit in your process of grief cry if you need to cry laugh when you need to laugh and find support in those around you that help and understand you amazing amazing I love it and I guess my final question is through all of this like what motivates you what keeps you going you touched on it a little bit but is there an overarching thing that you remind yourself of day in day out So initially I was motivated by getting better and I still am, but in a different sense before I was motivated in like a sense that I would find a cure and I would be back to my old self. But now I'm motivated in getting better to the point where like I'm coping with my chronic illness and just learning to live with it. I'm hoping that I can get to a point where like I wake up and I go through my daily routine and like not everything revolves around my chronic illness, but like I have I have the motivation to do so. You know what I mean? I'm also very motivated by my followers. um, And I think that community for me is a huge support system and also motivation. Um, On days where I feel low, I'll just pull up my phone and literally just speak my feelings. Um, And for me, that's a huge motivation to know that I'm relatable, that I help people in some way or not. Um, And I'm also like really motivated by the fact that like that I'm helping people. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I guess I said last question, but um, it is really incredible to see the positive impact on social that social media can have. I mean, we are so quick to talk bad about it and all the negative things that is brought onto our society. But I think in in cases like you and people who have content like yours and really connecting communities, um, it can really have such an amazing impact. And I guess my last, last question and putting you a bit on the spot to take your time, but is there like any one moment where you realize like, wow, my content is really making a difference? So yeah, I, I got a DM from a follower um, and it was while I was in the hospital and I was, I w- that was like the lowest week of my life because I was recovering from a surgery. Um, but they told me that they were feeling very depressed and they had recently gotten an ostomy and they were even contemplating taking their own life because of it. And I knew the feeling all too well. Like I, I completely, I broke into tears and I was like, oh my God, I know exactly how you feel. And then I read the next part of the message and it said, but once I saw you on my for you page with an ostomy feeling so confident and proud about it, I was like, if this girl can do it, I can too. And I was like, that for me was like, Oh my God, it sent shivers down my spine. And I was like, this is what I do, what I do. This is like, this is the message that I want to portray. I want to teach people that this is something that you can live with and even something that you can be proud of. So I have chills too. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. You're so welcome. I love that story. Yeah. And I'm sure there's many more like it. So thank you so, so much for coming on today, Paula. It's been so great to get to know you and hear more about your story. I know I feel really inspired and will definitely have a more broadened perspective going through my life, interacting with different people with chronic illnesses. And I'm sure the listeners as well. Um, Any last words and where can people find you? First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy that I got to share my story here and that you got to hear me. Um, People can find me on TikTok. My username is Paula Soho, S-O-J-O, and then R-O. 
Paula Soho Row, um, or, or on Instagram, P-A-U-L-A-A underscore S-O-J-O-O. Um, and yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you for listening to Paula's story. I hope it opened your eyes to what it's like living with a chronic illness and also just to be grateful for every single little day and the silly little life of ours. I love chatting with Paula and I hope you guys really enjoyed it as well. So if you did, please feel free to leave a rating. Five stars would be lovely on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Both those things really help support my podcast, help show it to more people. And just um, I'm really grateful if you take the time to do that. But thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.